Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's World Cup Show. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers. The talking is over. The tournament has begun, and it kicked off with a shock in Auckland as co-hosts New Zealand beat former world champions Norway to win their first ever World Cup game. Republic of Ireland couldn't match that feat, though, despite a brilliant performance. Their first appearance at a major tournament ended in defeat to Australia. Every Irish person on that pitch put their body on the line for the entirety of the game, and, and that's us. That's, that's what being Irish is. Birmingham defender Louise Quinn clearly disappointed, but there are positives to take. Australia were without their captain Sam Kerr, though. She's been ruled out for their opening two matches, so we'll discuss that. We'll also take you into the England camp and hear from an empowered Lucy Bronze on the team's dispute over performance-related pay. We're not only doing this for ourselves, we're doing it that we know we can set a standard. It's something that we've seen in the US team for many years. And Manchester United and England midfielder Katie Zellum gives us her take on the Lionesses squad. You can obviously see on the pitch it's such a special team. We've got strength in numbers all over the pitch. Well, that bodes well for their opener against Haiti live on TalkSport on Saturday. Loads to get through. Thanks for being with us. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Neve Charles and you can listen to the Women's World Cup on TalkSport. Happy Thursday, you lovely lot. How are you doing? Did you enjoy the opening games of the tournament? Uh, one person who I'm sure enjoyed it right until the very end was Talk Sports Early Breakfast presenter and Republic of Ireland reporter Shabana Hearn, who's with me. How are you doing, Shaban? You've just hot-footed it from Stadium Australia. Are you all right? Out of breath? Yeah, just about settling down and, and trying to find my, my headspace with it all. It was a lot to take in. It was a brilliant game. That last 10 minutes, Faye, just seemed to have it all. And I thought, oh, Ireland might come back into this. They might make a point, but it wasn't to be. It wasn't. Deadlock broken inside the first 10 minutes of the second half after Manchester United's Hayley Rasso got the wrong side of Ireland forward Marissa Shiva, who shoved her in the back in the box. No question over the penalty, really. Arsenal defender Steph Catley stepping up to convert it. I mean, it was a great performance from Ireland all round, I thought. And as you said, that last 10 minutes, a few chances with corners fizzing in, but they just couldn't get that elusive goal. But positives to take, would you say? Yeah, and we heard from Vera Pau after the game as well, and she said she was absolutely certain that the, the team executed the game plan the way she wanted them to, and, and she was extremely proud of the performance. And actually, looking at that penalty, it was quite a physical game. 
and they were all at it. Hayley Rasso, I thought, was at it all game face. She was involved <laughs> with all of the challenges. I think more time on the floor than she was uh, on her feet. So it, it didn't surprise me that that she was looking for that kind of tactical moment where 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 Australia could get ahead and get that penalty. Um, so it was cleverly done uh, by her. But but yeah, I mean, I think defensively Ireland were good. You know, it's that going forward. We know that they're struggling mm. going forward. Why wasn't Amber Barrett on? Like, why didn't she come on out of all the subs that were made? Frustrating. Did did Vera Powell answer that in her press conference? Didn't answer. Wasn't asked if she wanted to focus fully on the game and what happened, not what wasn't to happen um, or what didn't happen. But I, I do think looking at why Amber wasn't coming on, was this an opportunity where they knew possibly that they weren't going to come away from a win from this game. So they're saving Amber for further down the line, you know, against Canada. I think they might see her get a start uh, possibly against Nigeria as well, because the, really the only goals Ireland are getting at this moment in time are come, coming from Amber Barrett. So I, I would have expected the substitution to come in around about 80 minutes, but it didn't come. No, no, really frustrating. But the occasion itself, I mean, obviously the result is incredibly disappointing and and particularly I thought you played really well. But as you say, up front is just lacking that little bit. But first ever World Cup, for anybody who doesn't know, if you're living under a rock, Shaban's sister, Rusha Littlejohn, is a uh, twin sister, even more importantly. It is I'm part of the... Yeah, you always say that. She might, she might disagree. I'm, I'm on your side, Shaban, but don't, don't <laughs> tell Risha that. Um, I, it must have been absolutely incredible. So I can kind of ask you, not just from you know a journalist's point of view, but also from a family member's point of view, what it was like watching your sister and these other players that obviously you've grown up and, and know really well stepping out for their first ever appearance at a World Cup tournament. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So I can't even imagine what it must be like for you. It was incredibly emotion, emotional at that moment when they were kind of coming out the tunnel, even when they came out um, the, to, to do their training, um, ship him up to Boston. It was their walkout tune by the Dropkick Murphys, I'm sure it is by. And the place just kind of erupted. And you you see all, all of the Australians who have still got that Irish in them as well. And at that moment, I thought, oh, this is incredible. And then even, even in my head, because you know that Risha loves an injury or two, I was thinking, <laughs> get her on the pitch because she could sneeze and pull a hamstring, you know, <laughs> in the warm-up or in the changing room. So I, I was worried about that. So eventually when then when she walked out um, and, and the, the soldier song and the, the, the national anthem, I did, I, I shed a tear and I thought, it's been a hard career for her. It's not always been easy. We're 33 now. And she's at the World Cup when the women's game is taken off the way that it is. And I'm, I'm glad that she's fought to be here. And she had one thing on her list after a season of being injury, start at the World Cup. So I'm really proud that she's worked her way in, fought her way into the team. There's a lot of talent in that squad. She was out for a while um, and she's there, but she's there for her experience. And I think she really brought that to the game as well. So I'm really, really proud of her. And then at the end of it, when, when we kicked off, I was like, right, business, let's just focus on Ireland getting the win, but I thought she played well. I thought she she had a hard game. I think they all had a hard game, and um, they they played till they played till the final whistle, and it just it wasn't their night. But I didn't think they were going to come away with a win either. At the same time, but I'm still positive Faye, that maybe they get out of the group. Am I talking too much? <laughs> no, no. I, listen, I agree with you. I've been saying a week leading into the tournament that actually it's not a straightforward. Group B, as maybe most people think, when you've got the the co-hosts Australia and um, the Olympic champions Canada, because you know Australia were given a really good game by Ireland today. They're without 
Sam Kerr, their talismanic captain as well, which must have given the players a, a huge boost when news of her calf injury came out. She's going to be missing the Nigeria game as well. They're hoping she'll be back for what they think could potentially be the Group B decider against Canada as the third match. But actually, I've been saying all week that I feel as if Republic of Ireland can cause both teams some really big problems. If you can get that that win it's just a shame it almost feels like you've got Canada as your as your second match but imagine getting a win in in that next game coming up I mean you're heading to Perth aren't you early early doors and you know that match is next Wednesday you know you could actually do something special yeah I think so and, and like we mentioned there earlier on Amber Barrett if she's fit and available perhaps she might be the difference for Ireland in the final third you know Sinead Farrelly and Marissa Shiva both coming into this tournament with three caps you know three caps each I don't think the the occasion got the better of any of the island players, and I was a little bit worried about that fee because they've not had the experience, say, like the lionesses and, and the Aussies have had, you know, on the big stage at their home stadiums. They've never had that at the Aviva. They get it, you know, next month when the tournament finishes in September. So I wondered if that would get the better of these players, and then I wondered if there was maybe a slight inexperience missing, you know, from maybe the likes of Marissa Shiva and Sinead Farrelly just in that in that moment and and being with the group, you know, being with the mm. Ireland group. I wondered if there was a moment of that, but at the end of the day, Vera Pau knows her side in that moment and and she and she's gone with it. But I think Canada, maybe they could get a result. I do, I think they could get a result against Canada. Nigeria as well, they're, they're a great squad, but Ashwala up front, you know, they're, but the island are defensively sound. I mean, you saw that again tonight. I think Courtney Brosnan goal is such a good keeper. She makes herself big. She's strong. I think even... Tonight, watching the, the Matildas, they were frustrated. They were just firing these balls wide and horizontally. And, it, you know, Courtney can deal with that. She can deal with those those moments. Um, and Steph Catley to put away that penalty. It was a brilliant penalty. You know, she didn't stand a chance really in that moment. But, yeah, I think going forward, Canada, Nigeria, there's a there's a, there's a a strong possibility Ireland might get out of the group. And it is a bit of a group of death, isn't it, when you look at it? It's its own little group, group of death. But we all know about the politics off the pitch with Canada and Nigeria. So maybe Ireland not having those politics might galvanise the side to go and just get a couple of wins and get out of the group, which would be special. Absolutely, it would be. I mean, first ever tournament and getting into the last 16 would be would be quite incredible. I saw Marissa Shiva in tears on, on the bench when she came off. I mean, nobody wants to be that player, particularly in, in a game that tight, who gives away a penalty like that because you know you get a point against the co-hosts in the opening game and it changes everything yeah exactly and that's one of the things about the the inexperience that I'm talking about I think to sit and cry her eyes out the way she did I mean we all felt sorry for her and you know it could have been any player you know it could have been Louise Quinn it could have been Denise Sullivan it could have been Kate McCabe it could have been Rachel Little John it could have been any of the players with the most caps for Ireland but I think the difference was at that moment, then she felt it was all her fault and I'm the reason that this has happened and, and she really let her emotions show, which is fine. But I think that's that's something that made me think, I think she saw it as this is my opportunity to shine and, and it didn't go quite according to plan. And that's one player taking it, the heat for the rest, which it shouldn't be like that. She shouldn't feel like that. Um, but that's maybe that slight inexperience that I think I'm, I'm trying to allude to there with the, with how upset, how visibly emotionally she got, you know, when the cameras were on her was was quite hard to see. 
yeah yeah it was really difficult to see and of course you know flying out to, to Perth next Nigeria is there as their next match is going to be um you know really big I know you've got a flight to catch and you need to get some sleep so uh we will speak to you throughout the week obviously we're we're, we're daily aren't we this uh wonderful women's world cup daily show uh so we'll catch up with you soon Shaban thank you so much for for joining us safe flight thanks V speak soon Take care. Brilliant stuff. The wonderful Shabana Hearn uh, with us there. Coming up shortly, we are going to get all the reaction from Stadium Australia. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show. Jenna Scalacci, uh, former Tottenham captain, is going to be joining me to dissect everything else. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Thanks for being with us as we round up all the day one action from the FIFA Women's World Cup. I'm Faker Ruthers, former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci is with us now. How are you doing, Jenna? I'm good, thanks. Very well. How much did you enjoy today's action? Oh, yeah, loved it. Loved waking up, turning the TV on at 8am and having a full, full morning of football. Yes, yeah, great. Two great games this morning from the host. So, yeah, great morning. Yeah, it really has been. Don't forget the TalkSport Network is the place to be for all things Women's World Cup. We'll have live commentary from all the England matches, plus the next two Republic of Ireland games as well, and updates on other matches throughout the tournament as well. Live com commentary of England's opening match against Haiti is on Saturday at 10.30 in the morning on TalkSport. Build up from 10. Joe Shannon and World Cup bronze medalist Leanne Sanderson, your commentary team for that one. Uh, let's continue talking about Republic of Ireland against Australia. Um, the Irish put up a really good fight, but it is the Aussies who top Group B after that 1-0 victory. Shows how close the Republic of Ireland players knew they were when they looked so gutted with that opening defeat. Uh, here's some reaction from Stadium Australia. I'm very, very proud. Uh, we've showed that we can play at a very top level um, in circumstances that nobody would have expected probably that we would do so well. At halftime I said this is a game that will be decided on the mistake. Is it us or is it them? And uh, I said if we would not make, will not make a mistake, then we get a really good result because for us a draw was like a win to go into the second game. Um, and unfortunately, one individual mistake has cost us the game because they didn't really create chances, did they? Massively proud. Um, we've done everything possible to you know to try get a result out of that game. Um, every person, every Irish person on that pitch, put their body on the line. Um, ran for each other, played for each other, backed, to, backed each other up um, for the entirety of the game and, and that's us, that's, that's what being Irish is um, and, you know, and anyone who was there on the bench, who came off the bench, who's you know, in the stands, who's back home in Ireland, they've, you know, we've worked so hard for this, um, this squad, this team and yeah, we've, we've done ourselves so proud today um, but listen, disappointed we couldn't create you know get something out of that then it was you know a tough game not much in it at all uh, obviously the penalty at the end we had our chances um so yeah i think i don't really like to to take moral victories but i think we have a lot of positives to take from it yeah a few things we need to fine tune but ultimately um a good performance from us and yeah we're ready now to go again for canada you heard the thoughts of manager Vera Powell, Birmingham defender Louise Quinn, and finally Liverpool midfielder Neve Fahey there. I mean, they, they all sound disappointed, but positive, because not all is actually lost, Jenna. 
No, I think I'm rightly so. You still towards the end of the game, they were really going for it. You know, they had their chances as well. Um, so, yeah, the fact that they've come away disappointed not to get the draw shows a lot about their mentality and how close they were actually coming to getting a point there. But, you know, it, it went down to a fine margin in the end. It was, you know, a penalty that split the two. You got to feel sorry for for Shira. I don't think she'll sleep a wink tonight. Um, really unfortunate, a, a clumsy challenge in the box. But you know that it it was a great a great game. It's always going to be tough coming up against the host. You know, seventy five plus k plus there in the crowd. So the atmosphere is electric. So a really difficult team to come up against, and they made it difficult for Australia. I think Australia would just feel glad to get through that and uh, come away with the three points. Yeah, it was a record crowd, wasn't it? Breaking records left, right and centre because we'll talk about the ones broken at Eden Park in Auckland very shortly. Um, we, we heard what Shabana Hearn had to say about Shiva. I, I agree with you. I mean, she's going to be absolutely devastated. But the most important thing is to pick yourself up after something like that, which hopefully her teammates will do around her and then push forward onto the Canada game. Uh, let's hear from the Australia camp. Here's what Arsenal defender Caitlin Ford had to say. I think obviously celebration that we did the job that we went out to do and yeah a bit of relief it's obviously a game that we've been looking forward to for such a long time and it's finally there we've done it and now can settle the nerves and move into the next game. I think we're all just excited now to do it again and um, yeah just keep doing what we are doing and keep moving forward one game at a time. Bearing in mind they're without their captain Sam Kerr for the next two games so she missed today do you think the Republic of Ireland are going to be kicking themselves? They didn't take full advantage of the talismanic Chelsea forward uh, not being part of this match. I think, obviously, if there's a time to play Australia, you want to play them when they don't have their star, star girl, top goal scorer playing. Um, so, yeah, I think when they look back, they definitely had opportunity to get something from the game. I think in the second half, the amount of corners that Ireland did have, they just weren't clinical enough. I think going for, I think in the first half, they got their plans spot on. You know, they only had 29% of possession in the first half. They sat back and then they counter-attacked. But it was just that that final detail, that final pass, that final, you know, quality in the box that they lacked. But I think Ireland can walk away with their heads proud and will take a lot of confidence going into their next game. And as you say, Australia have, have come over the first hurdle. I think in tournament football, it's about getting the win in that first match. And, and it was a difficult game for them. The pressure was all on Australia huge pressure all eyes on them and, and they and they pulled through in the end yeah they certainly did republic of ireland next in action on wednesday in perth against the olympic champions canada who play nigeria in melbourne on friday early doors uk time but it is australia the co-hosts who top group b for now uh right elsewhere co-hosts new zealand kicked off the tournament in Auckland as they hosted former world champions Norway. The opening ceremony did go ahead as planned, despite a deadly shooting in the city just hours before the opening match, close to a fan park and the Norway team hotel as well. No one involved in the tournament was caught up in the incident, but it did mean a sombre atmosphere and both sides took part in a minute's silence before the game kicked off. Uh, going into this, the football fans had never won a game at a World Cup. This is their 16th match and their sixth tournament. And they made it history, not just by packing out Eden Park, usually home to rugby union and cricket. A record crowd for a football match watched the co-hosts win their first ever Women's World Cup game, thanks to a stunning second-half goal from leading goalscorer Hannah Wilkinson. It was a beautiful team goal, worked from front to back. Rangers keeper Victoria Essen starting the move off out to the right-hand side, 
worked beautifully into the path of Wilkinson, who then scored from close range. Um, oh dear, despite boasting former Ballon d'Or winner but Ada Hegerberg among their ranks, 12th ranked Norway, completely overwhelmed in the end. Uh, the Ferns are ranked 26th in the world, so they'll be absolutely kicking themselves as well. But you know, New Zealand could have made it 2 0 as well. Your former teammate, uh, still at Tottenham, uh, Rhea Percival, uh, missing that penalty because Hannah Wilkinson, seconds beforehand, had been taken off. So she had to step up to take it and didn't look confident, hit the crossbar. Ultimately, didn't matter. But how big is this first win for New Zealand? And, and is it any kind of sign of how far they could actually go in this tournament? Oh, it's huge. I actually I had goosebumps like that. When the, when it was the extra time come, I actually had goosebumps the whole way through the last probably 20 minutes. I think it's huge what they've done today. And again, we've seen the advantage of that home crowd and again, electric atmosphere and their first ever win. It, it's huge. And obviously I'm a little bit biased towards Rhea Percival, but I, I've like seen her around the training ground this season. Obviously she's been out with ACL injury, like on her own when all the girls are outside training. And I remember chatting to her and she's like, you know, just want to get back for the, for the World Cup. And that's her first 90 minutes. So she played like nine, do you know what I mean? 96 minutes, top, top performance. So gutted for her that it, the pen didn't go in, but luckily enough, it didn't matter in the end. But yeah, huge. And, you know, obviously just watching Rhea rehab for a whole year to see her out there in front of her family, huge moment for them. And I think, yeah, I think they play like that. I think they'll upset quite a lot of teams. Yeah, potentially. And actually, for anybody who doesn't quite know exactly the prognosis that Rhea Percival had, the consultant that saw her said it was the worst ACL rupture he'd ever seen in his career. And for her to get back and not just be playing football, but playing football on a world stage a mm. year after that is is absolutely incredible. But Hannah Wilkinson was the player of the match for me. She was yeah. absolutely everywhere and so strong up front and then they're notori notoriously you know not great in the final third uh New Zealand and they'd come into this game off a really bad run of form but they made Norway look distinctly average and we've spoken about Norway previously you know we remember that they were thrashed 8-0 by England in the group stages of the Euros and you thought that they were going to kind of come back and under uh, Heger Risa of course who was former um, England interim boss and is a World Cup winner herself back in 1995 you thought that they'd have a little bit more about them but with that frightening front line they didn't I know it's shocking you know obviously they had a bit of a disastrous time last summer in the Euros and you think you know you can't wait to get back out on the biggest stage to put that right but yeah they considering the names that they have in that team and the quality and what they've won individually, I think that's the key. I think they play as individuals and, and not as a team. And they've come up against a, a New Zealand team who look very together. You know, they looked hungry. They 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 were the first to the first balls, second balls. They just looked like they wanted it more. And there just seemed to be a, be a bit of disconnect in the Norway team. Players didn't, you know, they were just too slow to react. And for me, I didn't feel like there was much interaction between the sideline and the players uh there weren't any a lot of changes no change of formation when it wasn't working yeah and I, I don't know they just I think someone said in commentary they almost looked like they were still jet lags 
Yeah, yeah, it was just incredible. I mean, it, it's possible. It is possible, to be fair. I'm not sure when they landed, but, you know, j just a quick one on, on VAR, actually, because we did see for the first time ever a VAR decision being announced out loud on the Tannoy system by, by the referee when New Zealand were awarded that late penalty that eventually was was missed. And it was something else, wasn't it? You know, I've done some work with PGMOL um and, uh, you know, they said that they're trialling this out in at the World Cup. But it's really important for fans to understand exactly what's going on when it comes to VAR decisions. I thought it worked well. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was very dramatic. I didn't know when she was striding back onto the pitch where she was going. But, yeah, no, of course, I think that I think it's what the fans want, isn't it? They want to know what goes on in those conversations. So, yeah, it's another bit of history. And I thought she did a good job, the ref. Yeah, I feel like we're constantly breaking down barriers, uh, exactly. breaking records, left, <laughs> right and centre. I don't own any vinyl anymore. By the way, that means that New Zealand's top uh, Group A for now, Philippines and Switzerland playing in the early hours of Friday morning. Uh, right, you're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and Jenna Scalacci with you. Coming up next, we're going to pop to Brisbane and the England camp and hear from right back Lucy Bronze. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2 in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Uh, former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci is alongside me. It's been a busy couple of days in the England camp as the Lionesses prepare for their Group D opener against Haiti on Saturday. That, by the way, I won't be able to tell you enough, is live on TalkSport, build up from 10am, kickoff at 1030 Earlier this week, though, England captain Millie Bright expressed her disappointment on social media after stating no resolution had been reached with the FA regarding a dispute over reward pay at the World Cup. 
So under the current FA model, the Lionesses won't receive any performance-related bonuses for playing at the tournament. For the first time ever, all players will receive individual payments from FIFA for competing at the World Cup. But the FAs failed to follow suit by implementing their own reward system for the England squad. So nations like Australia and the USA already have performance bonus models in place. And, and this is a point where the Lionesses feel very strongly on. Here's what uh, Millie Bright's message read. We view the successful conclusion of these discussions through player input and a transparent long-term plan as key for the growth of women's football in England. Um, England right-back Lucy Bronze was asked about this in a press conference the other day. Here's what she had to say. She says they want to set a standard like the US have done regarding the pay issues. It's super sad that we have these issues. I think that, again, was something that we spoke about as an England group was that we're not only doing this for ourselves, we're doing it that we know we can set a standard. It's something that we've seen in the US team for many years. As I know when we speak, we'll be like, but well, the US are, are doing this or doing that because they've set the standard for an expectation of what you can do in women's football and what it brings. You know, they've won World Cups because of it. And it's fantastic that all teams now are kind of seeing that. It's unfortunate that it kind of comes before a World Cup, but at the same time, it's because the World Cup gives us the big stage. It's when people want to listen to us. It's when things really matter. Um, and that's, I think, why so many teams now are coming out and speaking about it, because it's the only moment that they sometimes get the stage or the opportunity to speak out, which is unfortunate. Um, but I think we see in the game that we're all empowering each other to set the standards higher, whether it's the US, the England team, the Aussies, Jamaica, um, there's teams right across the board who we're all empowering each other to push the game on, not just our own teams, but the entire game. That This will be the biggest World Cup, Women's World Cup ever, but I'm sure in four years' time it'll be even bigger thanks to all the changes that people are, are able to make this time around. Really interesting thoughts there from the England right-back, Lucy Bronze, Jenna. What, what do you make of what, what she had to say? I, I, I think she makes a, an incredibly fair point. There was a worry that this could maybe end up being a distraction for the Lionesses going into the tournament, but it feels like they're, they're, they're just leaving it parked for now, but they're not going to stop. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously disappointing that it's it's had to just be put aside now and it's that there's no conclusion on it ahead of you know what is the biggest tournament probably in their life you know it's a world cup the biggest stage but at the same time i think it's it's probably good timing as well because as lucy bronzer said they're all eyes are on them all eyes are on the world cup um and they're just fighting for you know they're a group of confident women who you know off the back of what they achieved last summer uh, are going for what they feel they personally deserve and and they keep going back to growing the game for the future generations and you know if you see what they've done what's the the turn of the the women's game in the last year the last season not just at the WSL level but at grassroots the participation numbers have gone through the roof again you know the the, the crowds get coming into WSL matches championship even lower down the tier been smashing records you know they're doing their job on the pitch I think they deserve to be rewarded off the pitch. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think, you know, they're being very fair when they're talking about it. And there are some things commercially in terms of the commercial strategy that they're pushing back on that the FA actually agree with them on as well. But but this seems to be a little bit of an impasse with it. The president of the PFA, Mehesa Malongo, has said it's a massive mistake to underestimate the players' feelings on this. How damaging could it be going forward 
if we have a situation where the England players continue to be at odds with the FA? Yeah, I think it could be really damaging. And I think, you know, you go back to what they've achieved. I think these discussions have been going on, ongoing for years and years and years. But what we have now is a a group of women who who know their worth. You know, they've, they've done something in this country that hasn't been done for a long, long time. People want to invest in them. People want to know what they're doing. You know, the, the, the women's game has turned into a business and and rightly so. They should be able to, to grow the game off the pitch as well. You know, you want to see the lionesses splashed everywhere. You know, every time you turn on the TV, every time you're driving down the motorway, you want to see them everywhere because they're powerful, influential women who have achieved, you know, what not many people have done. And, and I think they'll continue to keep knocking on doors and and raising the bar for themselves and, and you know, for the, the next generations to come. And I think they're in a really good place. I don't think they'll... Uh, They'll, they'll be quiet about this now. You know, they, they've got a lot of people's attention and I think, you know, they're just fighting for what, for their worth. Um, I've recently got back from America and the way they do it, I've got to say they do, they do it right. And, you know, it, it's huge out there. You can't go anywhere. And we're seeing it here in this country now after the Euros, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, there is. And there's no surprise when you say what's going on out in the States. There's no surprise that then the, the United States have been the most successful nation in women's football that there, that there has been and are going for a record third successive Women's World Cup victory, which would be absolutely some feat. We've seen FIFA change their model, which, you know, is progress in itself. So what more is it going to take for the FA to actually then implement a performance bonus for the Lionesses? Particularly, you know, you were talking about success there. You know, the Euros last year is is, is a prime example of that. It's kind of you would think that that would have pushed this on a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's probably why they've come out public about it, because maybe there wasn't that movement. Now it's out there. I feel like the FA have to react to it and they have to follow suit. I mean, you know, if the Lionesses, fingers crossed, go on and have a successful tournament, there's there's no way. How can you turn that request down, what they're asking for? Because we've seen what winning does in the space of a season. Now, now they're on the biggest stage ever. If they do it there, I, I can't, I, I don't know how they can turn that down and ignore them. Yeah, I mean, let, let's hear from Aston Villa and England midfielder Jordan Nobbs because she said pretty much that exact same thing, uh, Jenna, in terms of each tournament, reminds them how much the game is growing. It's always been huge, I think, um, being a part of the game for such a long time. I think every tournament that's come, we've said, oh, my God, you know, look how the game's grown now. And for the girls to to win the Euros, it was obviously such a huge impact for the, the growth in the women's game. So... This is another big stepping stone. Um, I mean, it's, it's a World Cup, so everyone, I think, uh, knows how, how important this will be for the growth of the game. And, and it's really key, isn't it, to, to discuss that the senior players were the ones that got together to, to talk about this in the first place. And Captain Leah Williamson was part of those discussions, as you, as you would expect, even though she's not at this tournament because of that ACL injury. But this is a, a really good lesson for the younger players, perhaps, in the team. We saw lots of Uben Moy taking the helm, you know, on, on the bus on the way back from uh, from the European Championship celebrations, immediately just wanting to, to write that open letter to, to the government about um, equal access to the sport in schools for, for for young girls. And this is a different generation of players, I feel. The senior players are going and saying we're not taking no for an answer. And that can only be positive going forward with the younger players watching that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and being that, in that environment with the, you know, the older, more senior girls and, and seeing what their letter did to Parliament last last year after the after the Euros and the change that that made at, at, for, for young girls coming through. They're in a really, really powerful position. And, you know, I keep going back to it. They're empowered, successful women here who are just fighting for what they believe they're worth. And I think it's great. And I think, you know, having the younger the younger players mixed in in camp seeing the senior players you know not fearing anyone continuing to knock on doors making a noise about what they deserve i think it's it's i mean we're seeing it now imagine when those young players turn to senior players even more doors knocked down yeah, it's going to be absolutely incredible to watch. And I am here for that. That is for sure. Uh, right, you're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. Uh, the wonderful former Tottenham captain, Jenna Scalacci, is with me. Coming up, you're going to hear from England and Manchester United midfielder Katie Zellum, who's been telling us what she's been up to since she landed down under. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of England. Women dream bigger. Uh, now, if you do miss this episode live or you duck in halfway through and think you've missed some of it, don't worry about it. We're also available on podcast. Don't forget, there's plenty of places you can download us. But first, head to the TalkSport app and you can find us there. Or you can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. It's Baker Others and former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci with you. We're talking all things England. Uh, just a day out from their opening Women's World Cup match against Haiti. And after their training camp on the Sunshine Coast, the Lionesses arrived in Brisbane just a few days ago and the players have been familiarising themselves with their new surroundings. Uh, England reporter Courtney Sweetman-Kirk has sat down with the Manchester United captain. Katie Zellum, thank you for joining us on this wonderful afternoon in Brisbane. Um, first of all, how are you? How are you feeling today? Yeah, really good. I think the weather obviously helps. Uh, such a nice day today, so ready to get going. So the first thing I want to talk about, maybe a quite an obvious one, is the statement that you guys released um, overnight. I was listening to, to Lucy Bronze's press. I'm very impressed with the way she spoke and, and came across. But something she mentioned about maybe in years gone by, not feeling like the, you know, the, maybe had the leverage to, to go public um, with, with certain issues and, and the talks going on behind the scenes. What is it within the squad at the moment where you feel like you've maybe got that leverage now to be able to speak up a little bit more? Yeah, I think you can obviously see on the pitch it's such a special team. We've got strength in numbers all over the pitch, but more importantly, off the pitch, we're so connected. I think there's girls here that have grown up together, play at club together, known each other uh, for years, and I think it's that comfort blanket and being so comfortable and connected with each other that makes the team so strong. Yeah, and in terms of... Obviously, you're the, the captain at your club. You, you know, I would imagine you will have a, a leadership role you know, within this squad as well. But thinking not just as a footballer for social change, is that something that maybe weighs not just heavy on yourself but on the squad? Is it something that you know, they feel they need to do um, to push the women's games forward? I think what's so important is it's a huge collective movement. I think um, we certainly obviously have leaders within the squad. You can see that both on and off the pitch. But it's a whole team collective movement that... For us, we're in a great driving position to push the women's football forward. And much like other countries, I think it's the time for change. And we know how hard we've worked to be in this position. And we want to be the drivers for women's football, not just for us, but for the future generations to come. 
because you have been so successful with England, and as you say, you're looking at other countries that maybe don't have the opportunities that the England squad have had. Do you feel like, you know, again, that you're at the front of that movement as a squad being England and, and everything that comes with it? Yeah, obviously, we want to be a leading nation. I think that's always something we pride ourselves on. Um, obviously, winning the European Championships last year was a huge achievement for us, and that's certainly a, a huge force in our favour um, going forward. So, looking forward to Saturday against Haiti. What are you expecting from them? Obviously, the opening game for you, for you guys as a World Cup. What are you looking forward to and what are you expecting from Haiti as a team? Yeah, I think for me, I'm looking forward to getting going. It's my first major tournament and every opposition we play here is going to be extremely hard. We know they've beat some great uh, teams to get into the competition. So, for us, it's about not taking anybody lightly. And I think there's six of us making our uh, major tournament debut. So, you can probably see it by the smile on my face. I'm just so excited. Yeah, definitely. Have you got any family coming over to watch? Or um, I've got some friends coming over. My best friends are flying over, so I'll be excited for that. Amazing. And it, look, in terms of going into the game, there's no secret you're heavy favourites. But in terms of that mentality, that mindset, you know, how are you guys approaching the game? Yeah, I think for us, it's not about the external pressure or the external media. It's just focusing on what we can do. And we know that we're a good team and there's, there's no hiding that, I think. But for us, it's about taking it uh, game by game and seeing what the opposition presents. And for you personally, you say you were raring to go. What are your aims you know, for the game, first and foremost, but actually further on for the, for the full tournament? What do you want to achieve? I think for me, it's just about gaining some really vital experience. Like I said, it's my first major tournament and I want to support the girls in whatever way that means, whether that's on the pitch or off it. And I want to be myself. I want to bring fun, bubbly energy around the team and hopefully that'll help. And in terms of, I mentioned it earlier, Manchester United captain. So yes, obviously, in terms of your involvement in the squad, obviously young in that, but in terms of the experience you bring, is, is that a pressure that you feel or that you thrive off? I thrive off it, to be honest. I think, you know me, I, I don't stop talking. Um, that doesn't change whether I've got the armband on or not. And I've got a lot of good friends here and I like to connect the team and connect the pieces between it. And for me, that's something that I really enjoy doing. She's such a fun, bubbly character, isn't she, uh, Katie Zellan, Manchester United uh, captain. Do, do you think she's going to play much part in this tournament, Jenna? I think, you know, looking at the squad that they've got out there and, and the players that they're missing, I, I, she's an experienced player at Manchester United. You know, she's a leader. She's a captain. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw her coming on maybe towards the end of games just to shore up that midfield area. Um, but I think, you know, she's said there, she's living her dream there. It's her first major, major tournament. And I think her her leadership is going to be needed on and off the pitch just because the you are missing those leaders in in Leah Williamson you know obviously Jill Scott Ellen White have have retired and and they brought so much to that team they were part of the the furniture there but it sounds like they've settled into to life out in Australia and I bet now they're just really counting down the days especially after today watching watching the games kick off I bet they just want to get going now you know they've done all the media the press uh they've been in the public eye they've gone and seen the kangaroos I think they're just ready to get going now I actually think that was a great shout from the FA giving them that training camp up there getting them to almost do the tourist thing first yeah. and foremost before then moving bases and and getting into you know the kind of business end of 
of, of the tournament, even though we're at the beginning of the tournament, you know what I mean? It, it kind of feels like, right, you've had your fun now and you've, you've trained and you've warmed up and you've got ready and now, right, let's go uh, because we've got some, some key stuff uh, to, to work on. And, you know, th th there's such a, a decent group. And I heard actually, Lucy Bronze talking within that press conference she gave that we heard earlier, where she was also talking about how together this group was and one of the most together groups she has seen, which is really interesting, bearing in mind there's some new faces in there as well. And actually, you can tell that because uh, Courtney Sweeman-Kirk is, is out there. She's she's in and around the, the, the squad and able to do some fun stuff with some of the players, uh, as well as talking about all the serious stuff. And have a listen to the, the chat she had with uh, Lauren James earlier this week. Courtney Sweetman Kirk with Lauren James and we're going to do a best and worst teammate. So first of all, who is the best and worst trainer? Feel free to out people. Jordan Nobbs. <laughs> who's that for? Best or worst? The worst. Worst. Who's, who's the best trainer? Lucy Bronze. Up towards Bronze, heads it back across the face of goal and it's still in. Lucy Bronze scores the second goal for England. Banter. Who's got the best banter? Who makes you laugh? Who was saying jokes and you're thinking, what are you on about? Beth England. England corner of the penalty area. Is she going to drive in field? She is. Right footed shot. Wonderful goal. Beth England. Yeah, for funniest. For funniest. <laughs> yeah. And who's got the worst banner? Nah, everyone's got their ways. <laughs> <laughs> who's got the best taste in music? You can include yourself in these, by the way. I'm going to say me for that one. <laughs> Love it. It's come to James, who buries it anyway. And who's got the worst? Neve Charles. Ne yes, and I've played with Neve, and I can also <laughs> say that she has got terrible music taste. All right, so for fashion as well, who who comes in dripping? Who are you thinking? What are you wearing? I'd say myself or Lucy Bronze. Yes, I put that. Kira up there as well. <laughs> when we play through Kira Walsh, we're very, very dangerous. So I think they need to get her on the ball. General knowledge. So who's got the best general knowledge? Maybe like the smartest within the group and who has got no common sense whatsoever? Katie Zellum's the smartest, I reckon. Yeah. Zellum against Price. Zellum scores. And no common sense, I'd say. Alessia Russo. Oh, what on earth has just happened? A back heel from Russo. I'm not sure, Jenna, whether you can say that Alessia Russo has no common sense when she is like the most ingenious um, player on the pitch when she scores a back heel like that. <laughs> Do you know what? I used to get told I, I had no common sense as well. So uh, as long as she's she's on it when she steps on the football pitch, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to say I also got told that. And I also got told that people who get told that they've got no common sense are actually geniuses. I know, agree. Whether or not that's true and whether or not we can do a trifecta of you, myself and Alessia Russo as I mean, we're definitely not geniuses because I was about to pluralise it by saying we're genie, gene <laughs> genies. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right at all. But it, it certainly looks as if they're having quite a lot of fun on camp, which is really good to see because we certainly saw that work in, in the Euros. Um, quick one on the fixtures that are coming up on Friday, which we'll be able to go through uh, more in depth on Friday's Daily Show, where we'll also do a more in-depth preview on England versus Haiti. But we've got Nigeria, Canada first up in, in the morning. How are you expecting the Canadians to get on? Yeah, for me, I think the Canadians are probably favourites going into this, but I don't think it'll be easy for them. I think Nigeria will be a 
make it really, really difficult. You know, they're, they're well known. They're a physical, physical team and they'll make it really difficult. But I think looking at the Canadian squad that they, they've got, I think they'll have enough experience there and quality to, to come away with that on top. Philippines-Switzerland as well should be very interesting in Group A, especially now that New Zealand are top of that group. Yeah, it will be. And, you know, I think I'm like to root for the underdogs. and go. I want, I'd love the Philippines to pull off a result here. You know, the first time at the World Cup for either them, the men or women's team. So, you know, it's a real milestone in itself them being here. But I think, you know, that they'll definitely go into it as the underdogs. And I can't see anything other than a Switzerland, Switzerland win there. We also get the first look at Spain, Costa Rica. Is that? Hang on, I'll start that again. We also get a first look at Spain. They're up against Costa Rica in their Group C opener. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm, I'm looking forward to the Spanish team. I think still without a number of players, but the quality within that team. For me, I think they'll go quite far in this tournament. Um, probably under the radar a bit. I think many people may have written them off just because of the names that they are missing. But yeah, for me, I think Spain are uh, just ones definitely to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. Really looking forward uh, to day two kicking off after day one was so scintillating with that wonderful New Zealand shock. Uh, Jenna, thank you so much. Always a joy to, to have you on the pod. We will be speaking to you a lot over the next few weeks. Yeah, looking forward to coming back. Excellent. Right. Thank you to Jenna Scalacci, Shabana Hearn, producer Maya, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the shows live, you can download the Women's World Cup show via the TalkSport app. Our next show is on Friday, where we'll round up day two match action and look ahead to England versus Haiti, which of course kicks off with live commentary on TalkSport on Saturday morning uh, with build up from 10 a.m. Next year on TalkSport 2, the best of following on, looking back at the highlights of TalkSport 2's cricket coverage and the best of the lunchtime conversations during tests.